A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hello, this is Mark Rudayev, originally from LA, now living in London. And you're in the mix, listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you to Mark Rodayev there in originally LA and now London for introducing the show. Mark teaches at Matt's Old School, and uh, he sent us a picture of young Matt that is still on the wall at that old school. And I can tell you that young Matt very closely resembles current Matt. (laughs) (laughs) That photo haunts me. I was in France doing some work experience wearing a fleece for this shop that I was working in. ID stock. Shout out to them. (laughs) And I just cannot believe that they haven't updated that photo after more than 10 years. No better photos of languages students have been taken at that school. None at all. In the intervening how many years? I went on that trip in 2013, so 10 and a bit years. 10 and a bit years. Matt, you are clearly a legend <laughs> at that school. And Mark, thank you for introducing what is going to be, I think, a bit of an epic show. Well, it needs to be an epic show if we're to do today justice. Thank you, Mark, for telling us that we're in the mix. It means that we're doing an awful lot better than half the seeds that started the day at Melbourne Park today. As we come to you, it is 1.48am. We are back at Tennis Podcast Towers. Daniel Medvedev and Emil Rusevori are very much not back at whatever towers they're residing in throughout this tournament. It is two sets to love to Emil Rusevori, but it is a break of serve to Daniel Medvedev in the third set. He leads three games to one. And Emil Rusevori has just missed a forehand in the net. It's another break point to Daniel Medvedev. It's going to go on till five o'clock in the morning, isn't it, David? Well, I mean, if Daniel Medvedev's to be successful, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's certainly 4 a.m. And oh, I don't know, what are we doing? It's just every year we have these conversations. The Sunday was supposed to have sorted it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Look yeah. for anyone listening, thinking we're sick of it. We're sick of hearing you having these these scheduling. Why is tennis happening late at night? Conversations all the time. We're sick of it too. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> we are sick of it too, and we are going to have the conversation again today. We're not going to lead the show with the conversation because too much good tennis, too much drama has happened today. For that to be the case, I think we're going to lead the show with Elena Rabakina. Not just Elena Rabakina, the third seed and last year's finalist losing to Russian Anna Blinkova, but Elena Rabakina, last year's finalist and third seed, losing in a deciding set tiebreak that lasted more than half an hour 22 points to 20, the longest tiebreak in Grand Slam singles history. Truly epic drama. Anna Blinkova took it on her 10th matched point. She saved how many match points? Six. That is, (laughs) folks, 15. 15 match points that were untaken before Anna Blinkova (laughs) finally 
threw herself over the finish line. <laughs> and let me tell you, it felt like 15. It felt like more than 15. <laughs> it, it was just the most enthralling, extraordinary, not always high quality, but the ultimate in entertainment drama. And David was in the commentary booth throughout every single minute of it. I described all 42 points. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I mean, how, how hard it is to try to come up with 15 different ways to say that it's match point? <laughs> if I if back, anyone if can. I'd back anyone in that situation, David, it's you. I had the time of my life. It was fantastic fun. Um, and I did love how they were... What I love about tennis is how somebody can play the best tennis of their life to save match point. And then just falls apart when they have one of their own, and that was just happening time and time again. And we were here seeing some, some, frankly, r- ridiculous shot making. There, there was one forehand cross court that Rebecca made on a match point down. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> I was just so animated at that point. And, and Blinkova is just a player. She's just such a bundle of energy and. She does these almost Marion Bartoli style shadow swings violently between points. You know, she can't stand still for a second. And she's throwing herself at, at, at Rebecca now because how else are you going to dent a woman who's got a game like that? And, and she was putting her on the back foot. It was just, it was tantalizing. It was, it was just wonderful, really, the whole thing. Yeah, there was just so many absurd things that happened in this tiebreak. It it got to the stage where like it reached maths that the players couldn't do in their heads, and they had to be told by the umpire when to change ends because you know n- n- no one's ever at fifteen all in a tiebreak. You don't you don't realise that that's a multiple of six, and you need to change sides. Um, the, the umpire generally was a breakout star. The umpire was the break. star of the show. Like they. Like the camera kept cutting to him, announcing the score, and he was just grinning and <laughs> laughing through the whole thing. The, the camera also kept cutting to uh, Elena Rabakina's sister sitting in the box, and and it seemed like sort of just every point was taking a year off her life. She was just she was just finding it really really tough. And then there was this absurd situation where there was a whole other match going on on a different court involving Holger Runa and Arta Kazo and that was really dramatic and we were multi-screening and it was match points on both courts and the Holger Runa Arta Kazo match had time to finish they did the on-court interview cleared the court and they brought the next match on and the tie break was still going on the Rod Laver Arena it was absolutely wild and Honestly, like, I just don't think Rebecca, with that game, with that serve, should be getting involved in matches like that. I I think that is a shocking result, a shocking performance from Rebecca, considering I don't think we'll see a better performance from a player all year than the one she put in in the Brisbane final a couple of weeks ago. That was perfect preparation. She then goes to Adelaide... Plays some weird matches there. Played a bit of a flat match in the first round here, and gets caught out. And one of the favourites for the title gone in the second round. It's an absolutely huge shot. And I think and, I think she had three match points on her own serve. Right? And she and she kept air mailing the ball like it was just ballooning it long. It was extraordinary. I had no trust of what was coming off her strings. It could have been a winner. It could have been in the net. It could have been long. It was really quite shocking to witness, actually, someone who's usually so smooth with her ground stroke. Yeah, Anna Blinkova was was incredible. Her commitment to every single shot, just putting her whole body on the line in every the, possible way, not just to reach the ball, but then once she get there, just got there, just hurtling herself into every single ball. It was amazing, but I I do agree with Matt that she shouldn't have been in enough of those rallies in the first place to to be doing those things yeah yeah that's that's where I come down look it was extraordinary from Blinkover I, I loved watching her commitment and if anyone hasn't seen the tie break 
and wants Cal- to save them. out some time. Yeah, in the day. obviously, like watch it all. But if you can only watch one point, it's the eighteen seventeen point where match point were back in her, and she is moving Blinkova side to side, side to side, and then she plays a short ball, and Blinkova gets up to it and whips a forehand passing shot. I mean. We literally, I was losing my mind at this point. He was. It was like Matt watching Fulham. <laughs> he had the comfort pillow on the go. It was just, oh, it was everything. Oh. Can I Jimmy su- Van Aylen, who gave us the tie break. And then whoever's great idea it was to even push it to 10. Like, oh, brilliant. Can I sum up everyone's experience, both individual and collective, of that match. Well, actually, it's not me. It's me quoting Anna Blinkova, who summed it all up for us. She said, there were moments I enjoyed and there were other moments. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually incredibly charming in her on-court interview with Laura Robson. I thought she was um, effervescent, really. Uh, and and just, I mean, her body language in that interview told told you everything, but she also was very expressive verbally in terms of how she was feeling she was like she was kind of like look I know I messed up all those match points but she was like I was shaking I had I had good ideas but my the racket was shaking in my hand yeah it was it was really really charming um and she'll have won over a lot of people tonight but that is a miss for Elena Rabakina that is that is for sure to come into a Grand Slam at the start of the season, when you finally got yourself fit, playing that well, it's a miss. It's a massive miss. And Blinkova will play Jasmine Paolini for the place in the second week of a slam. That's not a bad draw. <laughs> Famously good draw, Jasmine Paolini. I mean, that whole section now is wide open. Wide because open. of... Another seed who who lost today. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we will absolutely be talking about Iga Svantec and Daniel Collins, but we should probably talk about the other top five seed in the women's draw that lost today, and that was Jessica Bagula in such contrasting circumstances to Elena Rabatkina. There was absolutely no drama, really, in this match with Clara Burrell. Two, a straight sets loss. Yes, Bagula had a, a break very on in the second set, very early on, and I suppose for a, a brief moment there, it felt like, oh, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe this is when she gets herself going. She started suddenly just hitting rage shots. Um, <laughs> Those are good. Just, <laughs> I mean, she must have started putting 10, 15 miles per hour extra on her ground strokes. But Clara Burrell adjusted to that. You know, rocked her, rocked her back on her heels initially. But then she adjusted. What sort of player is she? It's very difficult to pigeonhole her as one thing. She's not a big hitter. She's not a she's not a counter puncher. She's she's quite French in that she's canny. She reads the game really, really well. She's one of those players that I think um she obeys one of one of Carrillo's key three laws about the game, which is being able to disguise your weaknesses she's not the very best mover but she anticipates the ball well enough that it doesn't feel like a big issue she's not the biggest hitter but she absorbs pace really well she's not bit of a corner she's a bigger hitter than corner she's a more modern player than corner I would say but when they when they walked out onto court the two of them I think I had a sharp, sharp intake of breath because, quite honestly, it really snuck up on me that Clara Burrell is 51 in the world and has had some of the results that, that she's had. 51 and climbing, quite frankly. Um, I, I, I haven't watched Clara Burrell in person, I don't think. Matt's had a Billie Jean King Cup experience with her. Didn't mean that to sound as weird as it was. Matt's watched her... <laughs> play at Billie Jean Cup in an entirely normal way um, in the past Um, but yeah this is my first time watching her and when they first walked out onto court I thought this looks like a heavyweight against a lightweight and I I worried for her really and I thought she she looked a bit like a, a lost little girl but actually that was on that was my mistake I I mistook um kind of lost little girl for actually an incredibly 
calm, level-headed, taking it all in, but never too high, never too low demeanor out there. She she just took it all in a stride and adjusted. And then I was doing the on-court interview, having watched this incredibly composed performance from a 22-year-old. And over she comes and she's she's really overcome by the moment. And um, it's funny, it's funny, isn't it? It's a funny old sport how totally composed and beyond their years someone can look while they're hitting forehands and backhands and then suddenly game set and match is called and they become a human being again. Um, and that was exactly exactly my experience of um, of Clara Burrell, who now faces Ocean Dodin for a place in the second week of a Grand Slam. Pagula, it was a really tough watch, Pagula, today. Um, I thought she was okay physically. Um, I thought she looked like she didn't really want to be there in... in the latter stages of the match there wasn't there wasn't an awful lot of fight and for that to be the case with Jessica Pagula who we know is is capable of an awful lot of fight who is ambitious and hungry I I don't know this at all but I feel like there has to be something something going on um I know she I know she disclosed last year in that really heart range heart-wrenching uh Players' Tribune piece about what's been going on with her, her mum, and those health issues. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but I, I fear there might be something else going on with Jessica Pagula because that was a, a lifeless performance from her, and I, I didn't enjoy it. Very unPagula-like. Mm. Mm. And and has pulled out of the doubles. Mm. So no Coco Goff and Jessica Pagula at this year's tournament and. Yeah, honestly, it's it's been a tough few weeks for Pagula. Like, I didn't, I just didn't have good feelings about her at the start of this season. Like, she didn't look like herself at the United Cup. Uh, she won a match, but didn't play all that well in um, where was it last week? Adelaide, and then pulled out with illness. Won her first round here convincingly, but. Yeah, I, I just didn't have the same confidence over Pagula that I usually do. You know, I usually pencil her in at least to the fourth round and think, okay, she'll probably make the quarters. But yeah, something seemed like it was up sort of the whole three weeks, to be honest. Yeah, I um, I hope she's okay. Mm, wish her well. Which brings us on to the top five seed in the women's draw that avoided defeat today. Against the odds, Igor Svantec, the world number one, was 4-1 down in the deciding set to an opponent in Danielle Collins, the finalist here two years ago, who was in the purplest of purple patches for about about a set and a half, really. Certainly a set spanning kind of the second stage of of the second set and the early stages of of the decider. She she was leaning on her backhand in a way that had me in the commentary box imagining the faces that Matt Matt was making in response. She was it was such an uncompromising approach to a tennis match. David, you and I were sat discussing this match last night, looking ahead to it, and you said, I just hope she absolutely goes all out, all guns blazing, because it's the only chance against Igish Fiontech. And after a game, I thought, yes, David, that's exactly what she's going to be doing today. And she's going to live and die by that sword. And she's going to make some errors. She's going to have some periods where it feels like it's not working and Igish Fiontech is all over her. But she's got to stick with it and trust that the purple patch will come. And it did come. And it actually lasted a pretty long time. It just didn't hold out quite long enough to withstand the eager Shiontek surge in the deciding set. 4-1 down Shiontek. She reeled off five games in a row 
to win the match. And she said in her post-match interview to Andrea Petkovic that in her mind at 4-1 down, she was on the plane home. Quite a thing for a world number one to say. Yeah. This, this um, obviously, we led with Rebecca going out and the 22-20 carnage. <laughs> it's impossible not to. But this was the match of the day for me. This was so, so enjoyable. And because I think we did get the best of them both in a, a way I'm sure Igor Svantec maybe can play better from the start of a match and, and when she's at her very best, so on and so on. But she faced the type of player that causes her problems, playing the sort of tennis that causes her problems, just all-out aggression, stopping her from doing what she wants. And the question was, is there any way she can stop this runaway train? You got the thing feeling of, we were talking about it, Matt, when we were watching, this is Ostapenko all over again, when she went 4-1 down in that third set. This is at the US Open. This is Rybakina from uh, this time last year. The, the only thing with that was that I just don't think Svantec was playing that well, really. Um, and then suddenly you just saw her get her teeth into the games again. And I don't know, I don't know whether Daniel Collins will have regrets, but I just feel like Svantec wrestled it away. She just came up with the footwork and the, the, the responses that she needed. And then when she gets on the roll... How on earth do you stop her from running away with it? And that's that's the thing. The moment she got on the on her own search, to use your word there, Catherine, which I think is is absolutely the right word. No chance. She was. Uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful match, though, because Collins. I loved how she got that really vocal support team in her box who were who were giving it Collins style come ons <laughs> at her, and she then you know it was it was. It, it's almost like the ultimate match to me. Atmos-wise, contrast, skill, drama, loved it. I feel really lucky that we got to see that today. Fangs. Fangs. And, and also, I, I'm not going to look at you as I say this, we, we got to listen to Catherine commentating on it with Chanda Rubin and Andrea Pekovic, and they just couldn't have done a better job. They They gave me insight, they gave me... Uh, some colour in the early stages, and then when it got good, they let it go. And it was just perfection. Yeah, we loved it. I got to I got to hear David sort of commentating the commentary, like, oh, that's good commentary. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. What a sad ass I said. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Look, it, it's... Uh, Look, I've, I've never done commentary, but I think it's it's very, very hard to enhance a match that is that good. Like, and it's really easy to ruin it. And I actually think the commentary team we had today enhanced it with capturing the drama and the magnitude of it, and just what a what a moment it was. Like, you know, Iga Svante on the ropes early in a slam is just not something that we see that often and I think it's a def- I think this could be a defining match in Igor Svantec's career potentially like Goodness. you know even more so now that Elena Rabakina has gone out of this tournament like this was a big day for Svantec I know she's still got Tess she's got Noskova in the next round who's another big hitter she's got Ostapenko potentially she's got Alina Svitolina who's beaten her you know, Svitolina and Ostapenko, the two people that beat her at the last two slams, you know, that they're all still there. There are big tests. But for her to come through a match like that, fighting like she did, down in the score like she was, against the style of opponent who is causing her so many problems, you know, Shvante was struggling to hold serve. You know, the world number one, it's talking about the match being out of her control. That's <coughs> such, a, that's such a feeling that she's clearly not comfortable with, and yet she found a way through it. I think that's such a big moment for her. I, w- I was so impressed. And like, I, I do think Collins' level dropped off in, in those last stages. Like, I do, think, I do think we saw the reason why Igor Svantec is a four-time major champion and has had so many weeks at world number one. And Collins is a sort of one-time major finalist. Like, at the key moment at the end, they were going in different 
directions. You know, Sviantek was surging and Collins, there was quite a lot of errors towards the end of that match. But even so, I thought it was just just a hell of an effort from Igor Sviantek and a match that I don't think she necessarily would have won, you know, two years ago. I think, mm. I think, I think we've seen this gradual growth. I still think there's ways she can be more comfortable against players like Collins. Like I'm, I'm crying out for her to develop a, a slice second serve because the, the kick second serve just goes straight into the hitting zone. Uh, her second serve, it, it, she, as you say, she had a really tough day in terms of being broken today. But you look at the stats, the sort of rudimentary stats that you, the top line stuff that you generally refer to to sort of establish what kind of serving day someone had, and it looked good. Yeah, high first serve percentage, high percentage of points won on first serve, but she was getting crushed on the second serve. Yeah, I mean what. What's that adage? You're only as good as your second serve. Look, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a cliche, and Shontek has has maybe proved that you know that it's not always true. But I just think there's room there's room for even more improvement oh, in yeah. the Shontek game, a, a and drop, it's already an amazing game. A, a drop shot and things like that. Yeah, there is definitely more. And she's capable of all of all of this stuff. Um, I just final thing I wanted to say is I feel like. She might not have been in the headspace to win this match several other times, several other mm. slams we've seen her at. You know, to to yep. really... She she couldn't do it against Ostapenko. Maybe the, even this Svantec wouldn't have done it against Ostapenko. I suspect that she would. I think she was play, she's playing better now. But also, she just never went away. She just never let it go. And I loved seeing that version of her. And I think a big sort of interesting thing now is what this does for her in the rest of the tournament she's not used to expending this amount of energy like early on that that, that's been two tough matches that she's already had like how does it affect just her off days you know the fact that she's expended so much in her matches i think she's gonna have to play this slam a little bit differently to some of her her other ones she she said that actually she has felt in the past that she's played a little bit two easy matches in the first few rounds and she's felt a bit rusty in the latter stages. Like there, there could be a real positive from this, playing herself into form, coming through tough moments. But I, but I think the energy thing is, is, is something that she needs to be just wary of, I suppose, because it's a, lo- it's, a long, it's a long event, a Grand Slam, and it already feels like she's played the match of the tournament. Mm. And and I know that she's you know she's the world number one. I, I I back her more than anyone to be able to, to to sort of deal with this. But it's it's a bit of a new experience. I know at I know at the twenty twenty two U.S. Open she played that tough match with Niemeyer early on, and then you know ended up winning the tournament. But this was even more dramatic. And you know as I said, with some tough tough tasks still ahead, it, it just feels like. This tournament is requiring a lot from Igor Sviantek mm. and sort of managing all of that is going to be fascinating, I think. I'm loving it. Me too. I'm really loving it. So I, I, into it. I, Yeah, Sviantek battling is... And Djokovic battling at the same it's brilliant. tournament. Mm. It's absolutely brilliant. And I just, I agree that we could look back on this as a really defining moment and defining win for Igor Sviantek. The way she immediately went to her chair after the handshake and put a towel over her head to just have to just let out some emotions in in relative private before going and doing what was actually a a really free interview she was so relieved and so in the moment she it was like she was unshackled from her usual introversion and anxiety in that interview and it was it was wonderful to see the the release of emotion seemed seemed almost freeing for her but i couldn't help thinking of you know just w- we know how she feels about ash barty and the fact that she never got to test her peak against ash barty's peak and partly i mean i know she wasn't quite at her peak this time 2 years ago it wasn't until ash barty retired that shvontek applied for the job and took her position but this time two years ago was as close to their peaks colliding as we had 
And it was a loss to Daniel Collins in the semi-final that prevented them from meeting. Mm. And uh, whether a sort of ex- explicit thought like that was in her mind or not, I don't know. But all of that is in Igor Svantec's tennis DNA, I think. And yeah, I, I just loved that win for her today. Yeah. And and, and and this match, you know, us, us talking about it as a potentially defining match reminds me and gives gives me another opportunity to plug Hannah's column about Dimitrov because in that she talks about the way that matches can can define players and, and can define your view of players. And, you know, she picks one out from, from Google Dimitrov. And I, I just feel like we might be looking back on on this Igor Svantec match in, in those sorts of terms. And, and we should also say that Danielle Collins flew into the press conference after. I mean, the match had barely finished and the notification was in that, that she was going to press. And, and she announced that this is going to be her, her final year competing. Is there, yeah. anything, is there anything else going to happen today? <laughs> that, I mean, that was a drop-the-mic moment for, for all of us, wasn't it? Because we had not heard anything to suggest that. Yeah, it was. I mean, I did think there was something a little bit profound about the way she left the court. Really? Um, not that I was at all predicting her her coming out with that, but I I did have a bit of a lump in my throat when I when I saw her leave the court. Yeah, that was a tough one. God, I'll miss seeing her compete. Oh, me too. Yeah. <sighs> I love she, it. She's given so much, hasn't mm. she? Mm. And. I remember, I remember when I first saw her, I think it was probably her pro debut, um, commentating when I was commentating for BT Sport when they had the WTA rights. I guess it was sort of seven, seven years or so, something like seven or eight years ago. She hasn't had a, a massively long career because she spent so much time playing college tennis. And I remember her coming in and she was such a sort of rough diamond coming out and but I immediately liked her. I, 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 reading up on her backstory and how much she'd made of herself without tennis as a kind of insurance policy for her, for her future life. And then just to see the way she just grasped the chance, you know, and, and, and gave us so much fun, you know, <laughs> the way, the, with, with all the outpouring. And then, and then how honest she's been about the personal challenges she's had health-wise. I mean, I think she's done an awful lot of good for the sport and for, for particularly for women in the sport. Absolutely. Didn't turn pro until 22, played a full college career, graduated University of Virginia. That was in 2016. And she spent the first five years of her career, so more than half of it, completely hampered in her ability to train because she failed to get a proper diagnosis for her endometriosis which is an incredibly common situation for women to find themselves in it is a difficult to diagnose condition um and a a not sufficiently understood condition and a lot of women have to suffer because of that and she She's talked very very openly about how she she had to construct all of her training plans around her menstrual cycle and there'd be weeks where she just wasn't able to train at all and she was conditioned, as I think so many women are, if not all women, to just believe that acute acute pain is just part of being female and just incorporated it into her life and accepted it. And finally, she got this, she got the diagnosis and she had surgery in 2021, three years ago. Three years ago, she was, she was relieved of that acute pain and put on the right medication and was able to really achieve her full potential. And, and there's a real joy and satisfaction in that. But there's also a, a deep tragedy almost in the fact that it, it happened so late and we were denied so much brilliant come-ons from <laughs> from Danielle Collins. I love those come-ons. And just a final point on Iga Svantec. She came into the press conference room. You were there, Matt. And she um, 
immediately pay tribute to to our colleague Mike Dixon, who, as we talked about at the end of last night's show, shockingly passed away out here in Melbourne um, overnight, the night before last, and we're all still still very much reeling for that and from that, and very glad that the tennis has provided so much today to kind of help help distract us but there was it was extremely classy from Iga Svantec wasn't it it was it really was um she came into the press conference room sat down looked over to the moderator and and said can I can I just say a little little message and she spoke to the media who were in the room and said I um I heard one of your colleagues passed away and I just wanted to to pass on my condolences and that was that was a very classy thing to do I really appreciate that. That's that's mm. that's really great. And and it should be said, all, all of all of the Brits said that as as well today. But for a non-British player to do it, I think is particularly notable. But but credit to uh, to all of the Brits that um, expressed very heartfelt and profound words about Mike today. Um, David, you asked a few moments ago, is anything else going to happen today? Well, you can see as well as I can <laughs> that it's 2.21 a.m. And Daniel Medvedev has won the third set against Emil Rusevori and is now a break-up in the fourth. The comeback is on. And, you know, there was a moment in the third set there. I was keeping my honest. When he, he got himself a 4-1 lead and then he lost his serve. And then it's juice on his serve the next time round, and I, I, I really did think, is he going to chuck this in? Because you've got to get your head around the idea that in order for me to win, I've got to be up until four a.m. plus, and you're ratty and you're knackered and you're fed up and you think no doubt thinking you shouldn't be out there at this time of night. I mean, look, fair play to him. He he rolled his arm over and hit a couple of aces, um, but I think it could have gone either way. I mean, he does always say, "I always fight," and I think he's he's almost somebody capable of fighting, even though he's that pissed off with how things are going that he's almost not giving his very best effort. But look, and, this, this classic Medvedev—he's got himself into a fourth set, and he should be pissed off. They should all be pissed off. Yep. Yeah. Oh, is this is this the part where I can rant? The floor is yours, Matt. Do you know, one of the things that is is really frustrating is that even if Daniil Medvedev wants to rant, it's going to be so late that it won't be a proper press conference. The quotes won't really get out there and the tournament sort of protects itself in that way. And look, we all knew that the Sunday start was never going to do anything about the late finish. You know, you, you, you did not have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out as soon as you realised what they were actually doing with the schedule. It was going to make no difference whatsoever. But one of the most disappointing things is clearly the Sunday start is an effort, and a, you know, an admirable effort to push up the attendance at the Australian Open. And what is it Craig Tiley's targeting? A million people coming through the gates. Well, does it really count if so many of those people have to leave before the tennis is over? Like, are they really seeing the tennis? Like, are we we really counting them as having come to the Australian Open if they've had a totally diminished experience because they can't stay and watch the tennis? This this match, which is great, is being played in a largely empty Rod Laver arena. Of course it's largely empty. It's 2.30 in the morning. What the hell are we doing? There is a tennis tournament that takes place every single year called Wimbledon, right? You may have heard of it. It's pretty big. It has a curfew. 11 o'clock, they stop playing. It's like the best tournament in the world. It's a total non-issue to have a curfew and not be playing at 2.30 in the morning. If you want to actually do something about the late scheduling, just have a curfew. Like, Wimbledon happens every year and it's great. And no one goes, oh, I can't believe we're not playing at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 
I'm so <laughs> angry about this. <laughs> I really want to sort of interrogate your arguments and make sort of play devil's advocate and make counterpoints, but I've I've got nothing. I do 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 wonder why why did they send this match on today? I mean, it was it was eleven o'clock plus, wasn't it, when they sent them on? I I think the answer to that is that the so Rod Laver Arena and <coughs> the second court at the Australian Open, the they are they are both ticketed courts. I think exclusively ticketed courts. I think that's the case for the second court as well as Rod Laver Arena, and they are sold in two separate sessions. And I think the ticket is you're guaranteed two matches on your ticket that you've paid for. So I think to to deny two matches you're in you're in refund territory. Right. Okay. Well let's revise that, shall we? Let's revise it all. <laughs> um other big things happened today, guys. We're not even nearly through it all. We lost Holger Runa on the second court in four sets, the eighth seed to the French wildcard Arta Cazou, 7664-4663. Cazou is some talent. He won, they, they do a wildcard playoff tournament, don't they? It's this bizarre reciprocal wildcard deal that tournaments, Grand Slams have. I don't really get it, but it's a thing that exists in tennis. And I think if reciprocal wildcards have to be a thing, then having a sort of playoff for them is the is the coolest way to to operate the system, certainly. Um, and boy, is Arthur Kazel making the most of his opportunity. I, look, I, I knew the name. I, I had perhaps seen him play. I'd, like, he looked familiar. When I saw him pop up on the screen playing Holger Runa, the tennis did not look familiar. He, he's something. He's really something. Yeah, he's he's another young French Arthur. We've got we've got two of them to to follow and watch now. And no one lost. He did to uh, Talon Greekspor, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one is. Look, very exciting. I think he's he's had a lot of injuries, and he he spoke about that in in his French press today. And he sort of, you know, he sort of credits his injuries with creating a sort of mental strength that he thinks he's has has. And he you know he thinks that he's he's sort of tried to try to take something from the time that he's had to have away from the sport. He is very much a contemporary of Holger Runa. Um, I was I was reading that he actually had a really good record against Runa in in juniors, um, but he he just hasn't been able to break through on the on the sort of pro tour in the way that Runa has. Um, but he was awesome today. He's got a massive serve, which is surprising. I mean, because he's he's not that tall. He, he he must be making the most out of his serve that sort of anyone is. Um, so many aces. I'd seen him in the Nottingham final last year against against Andy Murray on grass, um, where he didn't. That's where I'd seen him. Yeah, where, yes. where where he looked, you know, obviously his serve was was a weapon there, but he didn't he didn't look entirely comfortable. He looked much more comfortable tonight. Real shot maker. I mean, again, I would advise anyone to watch the match point where he just hits this incredible oh. backhand passing shot, and he was doing that the whole match. Again, I do think Holgeruna's got a lot of work to do to be a serious grand slam player and contender why he's, he's he's getting too much in his own way i think in these matches he he gets involved in such dramatic matches all the time and i think sort of emotionally and mentally there's that aspect to it like he doesn't feel secure and then physically you know we've seen him we've seen him struggle he, he, he was had he had big strapping on his on his knee applied halfway through this match you know he doesn't feel like he's built yet for for these grandstand matches best of five seven seven matches I, like okay he's not taken that many like really bad losses this you know this 
you can lose to an inspired young player like Artur Kazel. You know, it's not it's not a disaster, but he's got he's got higher expectations, and I think I think there's quite a lot of work to do for Holger Rune. I have no doubt. You know, he won't leave any stone unturned. He'll I trust him to put in that work and probably get there. But right now, there's a bit of a discrepancy, I think, between his his sort of place on the on the tour. You know, he feels like one of the week in, week out guys who's a contender at most events and can beat any of the big players. But at the slams, to me, he's nowhere near at the moment and he's, he's vulnerable. And, um, you know, I hope that changes because I love watching him play. And mm. I, I do, you know, as much as I'm excited about Takazu, you know, I think that, I think the tournament's better off with, with Runa in it. He's, he's a great presence, you know, because he's, he's fun. How did uh, Kazo express his attitude, his approach to tennis in the interview afterwards? He talked about. Oh, he said. Uh, he said it's a show. It's a show. Okay, I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 seen what Carlos Alcaraz is doing. He's seen the way the people respond to him, and he's he's understood the importance of the show. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah, he was. He was awesome. Um, so that is Artikazel through to round number three. As is Carlos Alcaraz, he's taking the scenic route, though. Yes. I... He likes the scenic route. Does he like the scenic route a little bit too much? I'm okay with where we are. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, look, he was facing Lorenzo Sonigo today, who who I, is a great watch. And and they loved playing each other. It, it was a bit like when Alcaraz played against Dan Evans at, at the US Open. You can just see how much fun they're having. And there was there was a rally where uh, Sonigo did a did a lob volley and it went over Alcaraz's head, and he went back and he did the tweener and he absolutely nailed the tweener, but the tweener went straight at knee height to Sonigo, who does a drop volley, absolute stone cold winner. And Alcaraz runs up and gives him a high five, you know, and it's all smiles and it really was lovely. But look, he, he lost a set. Alcaraz lost the second set. It was one set all. It was competitive until the end in places. And so, you know, maybe he's not as convincing as one might hope him to be if you want him to go deep. But... I feel like he's working his way into the tournament. And he, he did the same at Wimbledon in that way. And then and then he took off. Now, I think that the, the US Open is a, a slightly cautionary tale for him as well because that was quite similar at the time. And he ended up losing. Um, but I think he's, he's where he, more or less where he needs to be after a couple of rounds. I, I wouldn't be too concerned on his behalf. There was quite a funny moment in the post-match interview where it was put to him that he has now played 200 matches. And he replied, it's great to have won 200 matches. (laughs) 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 And of of those 200 matches, he has never played anyone younger than him until his next match. That Who's will be the first time he's playing someone younger than him, Jerry Shang. Oh. Wildcard Jerry Shang. Five sets for him in the first round and four sets for him today against Sumit Nagal, the uh, the Indian qualifier. He's, look, I, I think for a couple of reasons, Alcaraz will probably win this fairly comfortably. Alcaraz is just so much further on in his development overall a better player Jerry Shang has expended so much energy getting to this point and doesn't have anything anywhere near the experience of Carlos Alcaraz but I think he can make it a bit fun oh good I think Jerry Shang is fun Mm. yeah so watch out for that one in the next round Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of The Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. There are a few more significant results and bits of drama to to bring you up to date with uh, from day five at the Australian Open. And there's, you know, the small matter of the live tennis match that is happening before our eyes. Medvedev, 25 to 3. Medvedev is 3-1 in the fourth set. We just we just know we're going to be here in a fifth set in, in an hour's time, don't we? We're all just buckling up for that. But... Before I get into all of that, I'm going to tell you about On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider that we are proud to be sponsored by throughout the Australian Open. And as I've been telling you for the first time ever, On Location will be the official hospitality provider of the Olympic and Paralympic Games Paris 2024. That means that you can gain unparalleled access to the Olympic Games in Paris, Friday 26th of July to Sunday 11th of August 2024. You can even get an on-site private box before, during and after the events of the day. These scripts are trolling me. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a new, it's a new bit of FOMO every day. Just imagine this. Immersing yourself in the Olympic Games in your own private environment featuring dedicated hospitality offerings via unique access to a private box and stand before, during and after the event you're there to watch. That includes Roland Garros Stadium for the tennis, Stade de France for the closing ceremony and also the athletics, Bercy Arena for the basketball, Paris La Défense Arena for the swimming, all experienced in a dedicated space for your group to experience the Olympic Games events the way you want, celebrating with friends and family or hosting clients, all just sort of going alone. Um, like an Olympic nerd, that's how I'd do it. <laughs> Don't want any friends and families, family there diluting my experience. So to confirm, you can get exclusive use of a private box with prime field of play views directly to the Olympic Games action and from your seats in your private stand. A three-course menu featuring fr- freshly prepared local and international dishes, private level beverage service, including champagne upon arrival, This is killing me. Premium wines and beer and soft drinks. A souvenir that will create lasting memories of your time at the Olympic Games Paris 2024. Dedicated staff to see to your needs and on-site guest support desk. Just go to tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast. Tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast and select Olympic Games hospitality packages can be purchased there or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package. Sticking with the men's draw then, Casper Rude needed a fifth set tiebreak to overcome sensation 
Max Purcell. I mean, usually a fifth set tiebreak is you know, is just unmissable and headline news for well for all of us really, and and particularly Matt Roberts. But this has just got just got lost in the shuffle of the day. There was a moment where the, all we could do with that match was get it on the laptop and mm. just sort of not have the sound on because we we we've got on the big screen we've got. Collins and Svantec, we'd got Zverev in trouble. That was into a fifth set type. You know, there's too much to get excited mm. about. I, I'm a firm believer that you can only watch two tennis matches at a time if you want to watch them properly. And we did want to watch. I mean, those some would two say properly. one, Matt. Yeah, some but... would say one, but. <laughs> but we're professionals. Yeah, come on, we do this for a living. <laughs> Mm. Well, so rude Purcell, I'm afraid, was was the choice. Yeah, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> I saw a few points in the fifth set tiebreak, and it was all sorts of dramatic. I could, I could hear the crowd cheering from the second court. It was, and, and actually, sorry, I've just remembered this. I saw Casper Rude leaving the court afterwards, and he was being ever so nice to everybody. Sort of, he was checking. Do I need? Do I need to do? Do you need me for this? Do, you, do oh, do I not need to do an interview there? And I thought, you are lovely. Um, <laughs> to to you know to be to be like that after a, a battle like that. So uh, a sensation falls by the wayside, as did Tanasi Kokonakis today against Grigor Dimitrov. I watched a bit of that, um, and actually. Kokonakis was just saying how well he thinks Dimitrov's playing right now. He he observed that, um, and he he managed to make a bit of a fight of it. He he got, he won the third set, and he and the fourth set was kind of in the balance for quite a while. I got the sense that Jamie Delgado and and coaching team were a bit concerned because he was really up on his feet. He was shouting at Grigor, I think, to try to keep Grigor in the moment. Um, and and that's what happened. He he, he managed to close it out. So uh, a good win in the end. Are we in a no sensation of the day situation? They all lost. I think they all lost. Yeah. Does that mean that I nominate who it is? Because <laughs> I think you know that that as the elder statesman, uh, I, I think maybe I should nominate sensation of the day. Well, who? I mean, there's no candidates. Well, you know, you can have a sort of consolation. <laughs> I'm very intrigued where you're well, going. Who would with it this. be? So, well, I think it's Max Purcell because he's, you know, he's just performed heroically against against a way higher ranked player in Kasparov, well, and he's nearly beaten him. Definitely not Isla Tomljanovic because she did not deliver on the aggro handshake with Elena <laughs> Ostapenko that I was waiting for. Yeah. It was it was disgustingly lovely. They were always gushing about one another. <laughs> I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you mentioned there, David, Alexander Zverev inches away from going out today. How close was he? He was comprehensively outplayed today. I'm not exaggerating. That guy has got some serious game and yet he's ranked outside the world's top 160. I think it also, this was Lucas um, Klein, who was just fantastic. He's got such a live arm, and he's got a lovely slice, and, and he was he was all over Zverev. And Comparisons were made to Roger Federer on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> well, there was one guy taking it to the other, and one guy just defending, frankly. And... That's interesting, isn't it? Because people were saying, I'm not sure we were saying, well, we definitely weren't saying, but people were saying Zverev's in the form of his life coming in here on the basis of United Cup. He's hanging on by a thread at the moment. And listen, I I give Zverev credit for fighting in that match and gutsing out a win somehow for not going away. But... I mean, the, the, I think I think Klein hit double the number of winners that he hit. Uh, he was in six foot seven inch counterpuncher territory. He had n- n- there was n- never a point where he took it to Klein and took and took him out of his comfort zone. He, he he just kept on getting enough balls back until Klein missed just enough balls. That's what happened, right, Matt? Yeah, completely. Um, I was very impressed with Klein. I, ha- I hadn't watched him before. Uh, hits a very flat ball, but was really good 
as David said, outplayed Zverev and look, came down to another fifth set tie break and Klein missed a sitter of a volley right at the end to give up the mini break. You know, it was he'd been making difficult volleys all all match long. Um there was there was one point where he'd won forty of his forty nine net points. He was really playing well coming in. And he just missed that volley. And yeah, Zverev is very, very hard to put away. But he also gives you the opportunity to beat him in a way that, you know, the really top players don't quite so much, I, I, w- I would say. Like, I don't think Klein is allowed to play that way against Carlos Alcaraz or against Yannick Sinner or against Novak Djokovic. But against Medvedev, who's standing... Uh, against Zverev, sorry, who's standing so far behind the baseline... The opportunity was there and he very, very nearly took it. Alex Michelson next for Zverev. A young American defeated Yuri Lehechka today. Uh, a couple of other results for you from the women's draw. I mentioned the fabulously disappointing on the agro front, front Yelena Ostapenko and Isla Tomljanovic. Uh, Ostapenko came through that one. It was very Ostapenko uh Scoreline six love first set obviously lost the second uh, did come back and win it in the third. Sloane Stevens beat Daria Kazakina today. Svitolina's progressing really nicely. Really nicely. She's got uh, Victoria Golibich next, and then it would be Iga Swiatek in the fourth round, which I think we're all kind of eyeing up mm. very much. Um, look, it's no shade on the Australians to say that. Uh, no sensations won today. It was a poor day for the Brits as well. Cam Norrie, the only winner. And came came back from two sets to love down for that win, which is good going for Cam Norrie. Emma Raducanu fought valiantly. I really believe that this tournament, this Australian swing is overall positive for her, even though she lost today to Wong Yifan, who's just a nightmare to put away. Um just just got everything back, which for, for someone on the comeback trail is really, really difficult, I think, being asked a lot of <laughs> questions. There was an exhilarating fight back in the second set from Emirati Kanu, and there's so many good signs, but a physical fade in the deciding set, which I think is is understandable given how little tennis she has under her belt. And it'll be a all-Chinese battle in the third round between Wang Yifan and Zhang Chimwen. Uh, who also won today. She beat Katie Bolter. Um, And I think that's pretty much it. I mean, other things did happen today. And indeed, other things are still happening today. Uh, Medvedev now 4-3, love 15. Looking a bit more, just a bit more focused, isn't he? He looks like, okay, it's on now. I know what I have to do. It's going to keep me out here to 4am, but I'm... I'm on track now. Yeah. He's a big 3 a.m. guy. So, you know, he, get his, <laughs> he gets his second wind. Problem is, like, it derails you. Mm. A match like this and the recovery. Like, okay, he might come through this match, but it seriously jeopardizes his tournament if he's getting to bed at, you know, when it's light. And he would say that if he came to a post-match press conference, I'm sure. Very tempted to go back to the terrace <laughs> to ask him. David, be my guest. Um, look, it is not a given that he wins this match. No, not at all. Absolutely. Uh, big test for Emil Rusevori coming up. He's he's such a great ball striker, isn't he? I don't, mm. I don't know. I'm backing Medvedev from here. Two breakback points. Soon to be out of date. <laughs> Soon to be out of date tennis news, guys. Um, it's It's been quite a day, hasn't it? It's, um, yeah, as I said earlier, we've, we've still been reeling from the news that we heard a bit more than 24 hours ago. It was a, it was a tough scene on site in the media centre today. And um, we've been very grateful for the tennis and we've been very grateful for one another and we've been very grateful for our tennis podcast community we we value you more than ever on on days like today it's um yeah it's like a comfort blanket so thank you all very much we are 
I don't know if we're staying up for this fifth set. Are we staying up for this fifth set? If it's happening, we're, we're <laughs> happening. <laughs> we're editing the pod, watching the I fifth set. I think we are. I think we are. David, Francis, how would you do today? Uh, we didn't do so well. Jack Draper just came up short. But tomorrow's another day. Darwin, <laughs> we're in serious Reggie territory. <laughs> um... It's not going well. It's not going well. Uh, yeah. I, I've got nothing to say for myself. <laughs> it's, not, it's not over yet. Hyder and Soma. Matt, how you We doing? were close. We uh, we were in a fifth set. Jakob Mensik. Oh, you were winning for a bit. We were winning for a bit. But uh, Hubert Hercatch came through. Came through in five. How very un-Hubert Hercatch. <laughs> Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have top folks and executive producers. They are Greg, Chris, Jamie and Jeff. Hello and thank you to you. And Matt, we have shout outs. We have Lee Ferguson, who is in Gillingham in Kent. Right, Lee. Hello, Lee. I feel like... Lee's in touch with us a lot. Mm. I think I know Lee. On Instagram? Probably would be Instagram, because I deal with the Instagram. Like? The gram. Lee Childs, former British player, like Lee Goodall, commentator on tennis. Very good. And Chris Albert Lee, former executive (laughs) producer of, of the tennis podcast. Yeah, absolutely right. Thank you, Lee. We've also got Hélène Hérault from Poitiers. Oh, Hélène. Good day for the and French. Hélène says... Hélène mm, says, I've been teaching English to young tennis players for three years now, which means I got the job just after Artifice left. I will let you know about the future younger ones. Oh. What a cool job. Hélène, will you allow us Helen Mills Moody? Nice. Yeah. Because in France, she would be Ellen. Ellen Willis Moody. <laughs> That's all we got, frankly. Thank you, Ellen. And finally, we've got Francis Wynn. Oh, Francis. Spelt like Francis Tiafo with an E. Excellent. Yes. Good knowledge. Also, my middle name is Catherine with a K. Same church, different pew. Mm. And tell Catherine I have a philosophy degree too. Oh. <laughs> what's Catherine doing? What's, sorry, what's Francis doing with her philosophy degree? <laughs> something, presumably something completely not <laughs> philosophy related, like all people with a philosophy degree. The mm. table tennis podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Francis, thank you ever so much. Like Fran Jones. Yes. Mm. Francis. Very good. I, well, I see. Or Fran- no, it's Francesca, isn't it? Mm. Same church, different pew. <laughs> Thank you, Francis. Thank you to all our friends of the Tennis Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners. We are ever so grateful to you for everything, for listening, for supporting us, for being part of the Tennis Podcast community. It means an awful lot to us. And we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be shells of ourselves, but we will be back and we'll speak to you then. 